In 2022, a pair of former ballplayers and a talented young broadcaster were tasked with creating a college football podcast. These men promptly escaped into the mountains of West Virginia and got to work. If you want top-level football analysis, off-topic stories, and locker room humor, you're in the right place. You are in the gun. In the Gun, Episode 8, your new favorite WVU football podcast, Wesley Euler, with the best teammates in the business, the runaway beer truck, Owen Schmidt, and the signal caller, Jed Drenning. We're going to have a full Towson episode for you today, a Towson preview episode, I should say, today. We'll do some predictions, some projections. We'll catch up with our WVU video insider, Sean Mariner, here in a few minutes as well, too. Gentlemen, how we doing? Are we... Over the Kansas Depression, are we still in a hangover? Where are you at, Big O? It's uh, it's midweek, baby. We're uh, we're over that. We're over that, and we're on to the next. We need to win this week. We need to focus up, uh, eliminate the mistakes, and we got to go get her. Jed, what's the vibe? You know, there's a taste in your mouth. You're gonna have it until you put something else in your mouth. You know, <laughs> and, uh, and let's hope that's something damn juicy this Saturday. You know, we gotta. We, we, we got to overcome this, you know, this is, uh, this is lingering. Uh, yeah, I agree with Owen. You got to forge ahead. You got to move on, but, uh, you're still going to have a bad taste in your mouth until you get a chance to get a W. And, uh, I don't care who you're going against. There's an opportunity as a football team to get better. There's things we've worked on in practice all weeks, and there's things we'll continue to work on in the game on Saturday. Can you show measurable improvement throughout the course of practice? And then in live competition between the lines, no matter who it's against. It's time for the pistachio theory. Gentlemen, you familiar with this one? Pistachio theory. The pistachio theory. And this, hey, uh, you'll like this, Jed. This is another from Tunch Ilkin, long-time, long-time, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. long-time Steelers broadcaster. He used to always say that he had this thing called the pistachio theory. And he said, everybody knows that taste when you crack open a pistachio and you get a rotten one, right? It's like that weird, yeah, yeah. dead, dry taste. He said, the only way to get that taste out of your mouth is with another good pistachio. That's the pistachio theory. The only way to get the bad taste out of your mouth from a, from a bad one is with a good one. I like so it. We're going to, we're going to hopefully uh, get that, get that rolling. I like it. Against Towson. This episode brought to you in part by our friends at GoMart. We're going to take our first break here on the other side. We'll talk a little Gino. Not only is he getting into the WVU Sports Hall of Fame this weekend, he had himself a heck of a Monday night in Seattle. We'll discuss that. We'll catch up with our buddy Big Daddy Mariner. We'll do that all on the other side. You're listening to ITG. Game day got you on the go? We get it. GoMart is here to keep you going all season long with stores throughout our home state. We're a proud West Virginia-owned company, and our friendly staff is committed to serving our communities. From fuel to freshly brewed coffee and snacks, a stop at GoMart to cover your game day needs is always a touchdown. Plus, GoMart Rewards members earn points with each purchase to redeem for discounts on gas and free items. So stop by, start saving, and stay on the go with GoMart. ITG here getting you ready for the Towson game before we deep dive into everything there and do some previews for Saturday. How about some headlines here first and gentlemen you know we've eh, before we start these episodes a lot of times we'll kick around some headlines all oh, you know do we talk about Scott Frost getting fired all these different things across college football that we could discuss today though pretty easy one how about our boy Geno Smith I mean you talk about a, a story of perseverance um, from New York to New York to, to California to Seattle waiting his turn, buying his time, finally gets the opportunity this preseason, wins the job over Drew Locke, goes out there on Monday night, outduels the guy that he used to back up in Russell Wilson. Uh, man, just that was, that was a lot of fun. And on the back, I will say this especially, on the back of you know the first two weeks for the Mountaineers losing to Pitt and, of course, to Kansas, 
I think that was that was much needed for Mountaineer Nation to to have some feel good about one of our guys. Yeah, absolutely, Gino, man, what a warrior! Uh, it is tough to battle in in the NFL, and for him to be able to overcome, uh, I saw some Twitter stuff this you know, preseason of him working out hard, getting after it. Uh, I love this comment after the game. He said yeah. the NFL wrote me off, right? But I didn't write back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, spoken like a true hero, man. I mean, he has really overcome everything that's been put in his path. And now he's set in Seattle and some of the best fans uh, in the NFL, one of the best teams to play for, um, a, a electric atmosphere. He's going to have a lot of fun up there. And I expect a lot of good things from him. He's fired up and he is ready to go. I mean, when's the last time we saw a situation? It's not often it's happened that you have eight years separating legitimate opening day starters. All right. This isn't a paper lion. It's not like he's looking his over over his other shoulder for something else to play out with Drew Locke, right? He won this job securely, won this job. And the opportunity that presented itself on day one, or in this case, night one, as you touched on, was against the guy that used to have that job. And he, quite frankly, he outplayed, as you touched on, Russell Wilson. I mean, this was the old Gino. This was vintage Gino. This was 2012 against Baylor Gino, all right? I mean, now I have two stat lines that will forever stick with me. Gino's first half stat line against Baylor 2012, 26 of 28, 310 yards, four touchdowns. Gino's first half stat line against Denver the other night, 17 of 18. 164 yards, two scores. He was playing lights out. They, they brought things back a little bit in the second half just because of the way the game was unfolding. Uh, but, you know, credit to him. Uh, couldn't be happier for that kid. He's battled through a lot. The skill set has always been there. I mean, that's never been in question. I remember being at his pro day and interviewing Mike Mayock and Ron Jaworski and how they were all just raving about not just Gino, but Stedman and Tavon and the talent that they were watching at that pro day. Gino, Gino can sling it. He's, he's always had the physical skill set, but he's also had more than that. And the fact that this has fallen in place for him the way it does because of his own making, he's earned this and I couldn't be happier for him. It's well said. Uh, I tell you what, pretty cool that it happens, you know, the week before he'll go into the WVU Sports Hall of Fame mm-hmm. this Saturday alongside his teammates Stedman Bailey, Tavon Austin. Now, Gino and Tavon won't be there because they're still in the NFL. Stedman will be there. I tell you what, though, when, when Gino gets introduced, whoever he's got, I mean, if he's got some family, I don't know who's going to represent him yeah. there at that, at that induction. But that should get that, – that would have always gotten a loud crowd pop, but especially after what happened on Monday yeah. night – I'm I'm excited Saturday to, to see the crowd reaction um, when all three of those guys get their names mentioned. But Gino on the back of that, uh, that that should be a lot of fun. And and without a doubt, Jed, you know, not to I don't want to throw dirt on these guys because they're legends of the profession for a reason. But there's there's always a lot of big what ifs in sports, and a, and a big one for me is you know Tavon Austin, Gino Smith, instead of being drafted by Jeff Fisher and Rex Ryan. Yeah. Two defensive guys. Defensive what if, they, what if yeah. they were drafted by Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan? Yep. How, oh, how, how different? How different could their careers look? And obviously, that's a that's a whole digression. That's a whole what if. But you're right. Very rarely in any sport, but particularly in football, with the short of shelf life. I mean, right? Average career in the NFL is three years. Maybe not even quite two and a half two and a half seasons. For him to have eight years between starts there. Yeah, it's um, remarkable. And we had a photo remarkable. shoot. Of course, this thing's become iconic too. It was supposed to be. It was supposed to be the cover of my magazine in 2012. Okay, our first year in the Big Big 12. I thought, how perfect. You know, we're going to take the air raid into the Big 12. I'm going to flash it up. So, uh, we went to Elusive Skull in Fairmont. Me and my magazine partner, Will Gregory. And we got all these cool looking World War II vintage or era bomber jackets. We got the sunglasses. We had the props. So uh, Elusive Skull hooks us up. We met uh, Dale Sparks at the stadium. Okay. And it's Gino, Tavon, and Stedman. They got into it. All right. They're putting the jackets on and they're feeling all suave and smooth. Yeah. Putting the aviator glasses on. So then we start shooting and I'm getting all geeked and fired up. And I'm thinking about the imagery that I can have behind them on the cover and this and that. Well, then Dana gets a hold of it. And I'm like, for the life of me, I didn't think Dana would have cared. Well, he did. 
He didn't like it at all. Okay. <laughs> it's kind of like, uh, it reminds me of that episode of Friends where Chandler talked about getting freaked out when animal characters in cartoons wear clothes like Donald Duck. All right. Well, Dana doesn't like football players dressing up as things other than football players. And I, that's how I found this out the hard way. So uh, it scrapped the whole thing. But of course, somehow, some way, I mean, I didn't exactly take it to the Pentagon and lock it away these pictures. I don't, I, I have them somewhere. I was asked today, a matter of fact, hey, can you round up one of those pictures? And I said, you know what? Reach out to Dale Sparks. He can probably get it faster than me. Somebody got a hold of one, and they're the ones that put the air raid plane behind it and put all the imagery in it. I can't take credit for that, but I was responsible for the photo shoot. Awesome. Dale Sparks was responsible for the photo, but that's that's something that, that's going to play some role in whatever they're doing this weekend. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But uh, it was a really cool moment with three really cool kids. When I when I get this basement remodeled behind me here and turn it into a man cave one day, I'm going to have Owen, Pat, and Steve on the cover of Sports Illustrated blown up, and I'm going to have that air raid picture blown up. Go. And me there and my kids go. will go to mass. So we'll go every there Sunday go. or Saturday and uh, – <laughs> And, and, and get ready. Uh, gentlemen, before we bring in our, our insider, Sean Mariner here, of course, we've got our weekly poll to update you on. Our Twitter poll brought to you by our friends at Toothman Ford. We all know cars cost less in Grafton. Uh, among the problems that need fixed, here's the question. I'm reading the question here on the Twitter poll. Which of these issues that have plagued WVU during the 0-2 start needs turn around the fastest? The three options were turnovers, poor tackling, costly penalties, and then there was also an other where people could comment below. Uh, costly penalties, winning this with about 39% of the vote. Poor tackling, a close second there with 33% of the vote. 15% of you saying turnovers, and about 13% of people saying other. You know, if you read some of the comments here, um, the fake Brad Howe tweets us and says <laughs> a combination of all these with the timing of the issues. Um, uh, Mountaineer Paul as well says it's the timing of all of these things, you know, the costly timing. Um, and AJ tweets us and said, says as well too, you know, I feel like it's kind of an umbrella of issues with yeah. all of these, but lack of focus and some mental mistakes. Um, I'm not surprised by that because, you know, I, I, I think guys, if we could just say, oh, it's one thing. Sometimes that's easier. That's more comforting. Oh, well, you just yeah. got to fix this and you'll be Address all right. That. Um, and I think maybe at times last year we were guilty of doing that. Oh, well, we just we just got to get a better quarterback and we'll be all right, right? And you could ignore some of the other stuff. Um, it is. You know, it's it's been a plethora of, 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 you know, concerns that have led to the 0-2 the start. Two things strike me about that poll. First, and this isn't lip service, this is Mountaineer Nation. Almost 1,000 people took part in that poll. Yeah, our largest response big time yes our largest response to a poll yet look we understand everybody's upset everybody's ticked and you know what a lot of fan bases would recoil go into a corner ignore everything not even pay attention not consume podcasts not you know have the appetite for more information not mountaineer fans uh so almost a thousand of you took place in this poll uh that's awesome that that's the first thing that strikes me the second thing that strikes me is the fact that we have four turnovers in two games that have directly led to four touchdowns in two games for the opposition. Okay, you could argue that's, you know, in large measure what flipped the outcome. And the other things are so bothersome, as they should be, the penalties and the tackling, that they ranked ahead in the poll. So that's not a one-off. That's a significant number of people saying, no, 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 these penalties were so bad. This tackling was so bad that it was worse even than four turnovers leading to four touchdowns. And again, there's a very compelling case to be made for any of the three things on that list and a lot of the things that weren't on the list that were mentioned in the comments. So those are the two things that jump out to me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, like uh, what was that, the fake Brad Howe says the umbrella? I mean, really, it's a combination. Everybody, it's nice to see that Mountaineer fans are engaged, right? They're engaged in the game. They want to win the game. So, obviously, you know, it could have been any one of these three. Uh, in my opinion, I did vote. I did say turnovers. So, that was my vote. That that I did, too. Yeah. So unfortunately, I was only 15%. Uh, but you're not supposed yeah. to say your vote. Oh, it's a wish. You're not supposed to tell what your wish was. Yeah. Right, go ahead. But the good thing about this is, these are all correctable mistakes. Mm -hmm. 
very correctable, in my opinion, through obviously technique, through practice, right? Uh, awareness, understanding where we are in the game, understanding big turnovers can't happen in these certain situations. That is part of the game. Hopefully we got our, you know, turnoveritis out in the front end of the season, right? And we can come over that and we can get over that and, and just go, go out and play. I mean, that's what we need to do. These things I want to see for Towson, and I'm getting a little ahead of ourselves here on the poll, but these are some correctable things we can see this next game. I know it's a tune-up game, whatever, but these are things we can see throughout the game that we did go yeah. out this week and we did make the corrections. It's got to start somewhere, right, O? Yeah. I mean, yeah. first so in practice, yep. and then it translates. Whoever you're playing between the lines, it has to translate. And then it translates to whoever you're playing after that. If it's going to work, it's going to work. It's going to work in practice in live reps. It's going to work on Saturday against Towson in live reps. It's going to work next Thursday night in live reps. So, yeah, progress is progress, irrespective of who it's against. Got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Make sure you're following us uh, on all the social media channels, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, at In The Gun Podcast. But if you want to get involved with our polls, those are always on Twitter, again, at In The Gun Podcast. Now we welcome our only guest, our day one of the show here, all right? No new friends on the In The Gun Podcast, just one friend, and it's our buddy, WVU Video Insider, Sean Mariner. What's up, cousin? I love coming on in the middle of a West promo speech. Like, that's just, it sets the tone early. I love it. How are you guys? Big Daddy, I did a video hit before we came on to film tonight mm -hmm. for the Neil Brown show. Yeah. And the first thing the production crew for the Neil Brown show said, hey, we've been watching the podcast. We love it. Please keep Fatty on there. He's no. so awesome. Please I, keep Fatty I, on I, there. I know that. You gotta keep bringing Fatty back. Sam, Ryan, Jelly. So you planted it. See, you planted it. Yeah. None of them said it. But I said, hey, especially this week, he, you know, his, his uh, wide smile and and vociferous self is just the tonic Mountaineer Nation needs under the circumstances. I don't know that I want to be on here anymore if Owen doesn't have the couch. I'm a little upset about it. Like, I love the sign. I'm glad that Denver loves Owen, but no couch, no fatty. That's I think we're going to have to start that one. I can bring no. the couch back, but the sign will have to stay. That's my. That is my grandmother's sign from the Sugar it. Bowl, so it's got to be here. It's love got it. too much history. Jack Dawson. Jack and Dawson appeared right after here. the episode last week and took it. You know, yeah. got old Rich Rod's signature right there. Oh. So uh, there is a little, uh, you know, controversy there if you want to. Priceless. Call it. No, I'd say priceless is what that's. Priceless. That's exactly what you're going for. Um, Sean, we are happy to have you here today. If we would have talked with you on our Kansas recap episode, I mean, the three of us, it was like we had just left a funeral. It was like yeah. somebody had kicked our dog and pissed in our Cheerios. So yeah. yeah, a little more chipper here today before uh, we get hey. into some before we get into some specifics. Uh, we started this episode talking about um, just how cool Monday night was to see Geno Smith, his journey, you know, a decade into his career now, eight years in between, you know, uh, opportunities to be the guy, you know, not just filling in as a starter because of an injury to to earn that role. Uh, and not only to do all that, but to go out on Monday night uh, against the quarterback who he used to back up and to be able to put in that performance and that, you know, get, get a win there. And yeah. uh, Owen, you know, laughing about the quote at the end, they wrote me off, but I didn't write back. That, that, I know that that's a better quote all year. Is there going to be a better quote all year? I already bought a t shirt. I was going to say, company. shirts. There's a company in Seattle that was selling them. I already Absolutely. ordered one, so I'll, I'll wear it on the podcast at some point next week. Uh, so actually yesterday when I was over there uh, for all the press conference stuff with football, Coach Brown was talking to Tony about Gino's post-game speech, not the one on the field, but him in the suit at the podium. Yeah. That was just, you know, asking about hardships in the NFL and him just immediately saying, listen, I've been in the NFL 10 years. I, I haven't really faced any hardship. Like, yeah, I didn't start, but I'm still in the NFL playing like for him to have I'm that here. perspective yeah. too, like is incredible. The guy just won a game against the former quarterback that he backed up, played lights out. The first touchdown, that scramble drill over the top was incredible. And for him to be that humble and to say that kind of stuff, it's just, it's it's absolutely incredible. And the chant coming off the field, man, shivers. Just What was, what was your first year on the sidelines, Big Daddy? 2010. 
So the so. Marshall comeback was my first road game ever. You missed Auburn by a year. Yes. Jordan Hare, it was, it was Gino's first appearance. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget when Jarrett got hurt. I was standing next to Gino as he got the call. The orphan Annie eyes came right away. Owen. <laughs> yep. I mean, it was like this. And you know what? It didn't last long. That dude, no. cool as a cucumber. He, he got that out of his system, but. I didn't know if you were there for that. I couldn't. Remember. I remember I covered the Florida State Bowl game uh, in the Gator Bowl, yes. and when Jared got yes. hurt in that, At it half-time. was like just yep. he came right in, and no, every, nobody yep. was just like, "Yep, here we go." The, yep. we, we, we've seen this guy before. Yep. The Bobby Bowden act of God game. Yep. yep. The, the only the only that's the only way we lost that game because it was an act of God to get Bobby Bowden a win in in his last game. That's the it's, only way. It's hard for me to get mad at that too. Like the game happened, but then post game, I'm in there. I was working with um, with Jeff Coyle. Like it's how Gold yep, Blue yep. Nation and all that started. I was one of the original. I was writing. We're in the press conference, and you know, there's hundreds of people in there for Bobby Bowden's last press conference, and he came by and shook everybody's hand on his way out. And my dad was a big Bobby Bowden fan. He wasn't one of the ones that ran him off when he was here. So like, I got to shake Bobby Bowden's hand, and I was just like. I'll be so sad that we lost, but like cool. the circle of life, hundred percent. So, cool. so you're the only person that can answer this question without boring everybody's pants off. <laughs> yeah, okay, we'll see. Let's get technical. And how did you handle the rain with your gear on Ooh. Saturday? Because it so, got nasty. Yeah. Home games, we are very, very lucky. So I'm up in the booth, obviously running the video board show and everything. Um, but our camera folks that both run the TV truck, yes, and Clay Ballinger and all of his team. We knew it was going to rain. Everybody knew third quarter, it's going to start pissing rain. So let's get ready. So TV truck had full rain gear out, ready, covered. And I know the digital guys down on the field had the same thing. They were in at halftime too, shaking everything off and making sure their batteries worked and all that. That that stuff is miserable. (laughs) You you remember Maryland, Jed, 37, nothing Maryland. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. A rain game is one of the most miserable things in the universe on the sidelines. It was oh, especially so when I, you lose. Yes, so I couldn't. Oh, and that's the only that. game that I've ever stood on the sidelines for, and thought, man, I'm glad I'm not playing. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the only game of my life I've ever watched on TV and said, man, I'm glad I'm not there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That would have been the uh, first game uh, pit game we played at Mountaineer Field. It was like negative. 105. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Dude. That was brutal. That's still the coldest I've ever been. It was freezing. Owen was saying, I wish I, I wasn't coldest. playing and he was playing. <laughs> I think I think the, the, the white out, the Pat White out might have been colder than that pit game, but those two were oh, those were brutal. those were brutal. Uh Sean, buddy, last one I've got for you. I don't know if these guys want to get some more in there, but um, you know, I was I was joking with Owen, but kind of being serious as well too. You know, like one day I'm gonna get this basement remodeled behind me and not have this weird paneling hanging out on the wall and everything, and I'm gonna have two images blown up. All right, one's going to be Owen, Steve, and Pat on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Obviously. The other, the other's gonna be the famous air raid picture, yeah. um, you know, with, with Gino Tavon and Stedman, the the holy trios of of Mountaineer football, yeah. if you will. Historical. Um, just talk about how excited you are, how cool it should be this weekend for those three, Gino, Stead, Tavon, to all go into the WVU Sports Hall of Fame together. Right before I came on this, they, WVU Football just posted the tribute video to the three of them with, yeah, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram plug. Uh, so I obviously reposted all those and I was watching it. I'm not sure who cut it, if it was Chris O that did it, or if it was Clay and Jeff and Carson over with our football guys. But my God, not not only does it start with me, 20, like 26-year-old me going like, are we rolling? Sweet. Like just a complete idiot, like trying to be cool in front of Gino, you know what I mean? Because I don't nothing. But then watching him and Stedman and Tavon, interviews that I got to be a part of, and then all the highlights, that games that I got to be a part of, like it just unbelievable. Sucks that Gino and Tavon aren't there, right? But also good no reason. because, yeah, yeah they're, they're not just skipping out. It's it's I know Stedman is absolutely excited out of his mind to come. He's going to be just electric. I can't wait to see him. I can't wait to see the reaction he gets. I'm I'm super pumped. So obviously we have the ceremony at 10 and then we recognize them on the field too in game. So they're going to get to be on the field and wave and you know, Do you know when that's going to be in game? end of the first quarter end of the first quarter. I'm, we're going to I'm going to have my 11 month old daughter with me for the first time at a game. So, you know, could be, could be, well, there just also could be like runs to the bathroom and things. So I got to make sure end of the first quarter, me and Olivia, me and Olivia are there watching. There you go. 
I can't wait. And then also, not Gino and Tavon and Stedman related, but obviously they're going to get a huge pop. We're doing something for Hugs, second quarter, first time out too. I think he's going to be on the field wave, and that place is going to be just love it. So let me ask you something, Sean. The the last time I recall the three of them being together as players Mm -hmm. before all hell broke loose after they finished and even before the bowl game, it was December of 2012. And we sat the three of them down mm-hmm. for an interview in the facilities building. Uh, is that what you're talking about? Because I remember I did the interview. So we did multiple. So that was a special for the end of the season that we okay. called record breakers, if you remember, because they broke every record that's been here pretty much. And I actually, it's one of the only times I ever had to adjust Jed Drenning. He sat front row, right? Gets in his chair and he's sitting here and we have the camera on him. And all of a sudden, he just starts holding something near his chest. He had gotten his magazine that he had just had published and made sure he rolled it ever so gently so that the title of the magazine was sticking out the entire time during the product placement. I was like, Jed, buddy, can we just, I just need you to lower it just a little bit. You know, the only thing, if I was to bring that that up to my wife, okay, that night, she has no idea who I was interviewing, what I was doing. All she knows is we got a speeding ticket on the way to Morgantown. Stop it. That's all she remembers. In Friendsville, Maryland, that's all she remembers. Oh, well, the so, night we got that ticket. That's what yeah. you Well, the other interviews were, you know, we do the features during the year. Oh, and you did a million of them. You know, the wearing the jerseys, Life of the Mountaineer, all that stuff. So we obviously did one on Gino, Stedman, and Tavon pretty much every year. So whoever edited that video, I'd love to find out who it was, went through to all the interviews that we still have on the server and picked little sound bites out from all the interviews that we've done. It was incredible. Wow. Incredible. That's awesome. That, that, that record breaker interview, Jed, that thing is one of my favorites of all time. Like, just to have the three of them there. And in the yes. moment, you know, you obviously know they're breaking records, but then to see yes. what they went on to do, just like, my God, how did we get to be a part of that? Oh, it's amazing. I mean, just if, if you wanted to synthesize it down to one afternoon. Yeah. I mean, what's more representative of their dominance than the Baylor game, Baylor. right? I mean, it's just, that's so symbolic of maybe. their greatness. You know, that this is one what game. I love too. You know, well, so. I would argue, I would argue maybe the Orange Bowl. Maybe yes. the Orange Bowl. Fair. But, you know. fair. <laughs> so, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll entertain the argument, but it's, it's tough to beat jumping onto the scene in the Big 12 in your first conference game and dropping a 70 spot there. The Orange Bowl, yeah, but the 656 yards, it's just, it was a statistical. It was a statistical just stew with everything in it. It was, but the orange bowl. Yeah. Great point. Yeah. We've got two new creative guys over at football, right? Two new guys. One's both fresh out of college. One went to Georgia. One went to Utah. So they come here without much knowledge about WVU. Fine. Great. They do great work. So as we go through the year and they're putting different videos together, they'll ask me for stuff. And a couple when COVID hit, right. I was going into the office. We had nothing to do because there were no live events. So all I did was went through and I archived every historical play of relevance like that's how we have owens hurdle at rutgers drop of a hat uh all of his runs against maryland drop of a hat every touchdown table on hat i put together with play-by-play calls all that stuff so i've got a working knowledge of some of the plays that they have right and so i'm trying to tell the guys hey if you're going to do this video you might want to use this one lost in the majesty of the baylor game because tavon and stedman and gino were so incredible you know the one play that always sticks out to me that we never talk about? That J.D. Woods one-hand catch? Oh, yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Lost. Lost yes. because there were eight touchdowns that day, and that wasn't a touchdown grab. It was. But just if, he doesn't, if he doesn't back. catch that, Baylor yeah. gets another chance to come 100%. back, and, t- and it would have probably been 70-70, and we would have gone you know to overtime. Like, in a normal week, J.D. Woods might have been Big 12 offensive <laughs> yes. with the numbers he posted that day. But yeah. he, was, he was like the fifth most productive player in that game. Yeah. Between Terrence Williams for Baylor. Well, and then you got, you know, uh, Nick Florence, their quarterback. And then, of course, the three for us. It was just everywhere. I mean, nobody could stop anybody. I mean, it no. was an absolute defensive nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> That's what The last play before half when they scored, it was just like, this is it, huh? This is the day. Yeah. Here we go. That was... That was the day, without yeah. a doubt. Noon yeah. noon kickoff, I think it was about 6 o'clock before that game ended because yeah. of all the touchdowns. The game the- day bus was there. I had to help Montoro and Fergale escort Gino and Stedman and Tavon outside of the facility onto the bus so they could do their interviews and then back. It was, it was insane. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love it. As if I couldn't get any more jacked up for Saturday. Now yeah. I'm – so really you made us feel a little better. That's, that was your job. I'm here to help. We here brought to help. you on it. Thanks for the therapy. It was very good. Thank you. You know, I'm 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 31 years old now. You know, I'm I'm typically like I've still got all the jerseys and everything, but I really now just wear like polos or, or t-shirts to most of the games that I go to. But 
I'm wearing that three jersey on Saturday, oh, yeah. baby. That's I might even bring a sign that says Stedman should have won the Bolitnikoff in 2012. Oh, he should have. Come on, don't be shy, Marquise Lee. Poor Marquise Lee. Twenty-five touchdown. That just hashtag justice for Stedman, 2012. That's what that's what my (laughs) side's gonna say. Sean, buddy, we appreciate your time as always. Thanks, uh, thanks for making us laugh and putting a smile on our faces, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. You got to see you gentlemen soon. Thank you, boys. There he is, Big Daddy Mariner, our insider. When we come back. On the other side, we'll do some predictions, some projections for this week in college football around the conference, around the top 25, and as it relates to uh, some of our weekly predictions with signal callers and beer trucks and defenses. Wesley Euler, Jed Drenning, Owen Schmidt, it's ITG. I'm talking with J.R. Toothman of Toothman Ford. J.R., everybody knows a lot of pro athletes buy from you. What's the secret? Just like Will Greer, future Hall of Famer Frank Gore, James Washington, and many more pros, these guys have financial advisors that are always looking out for them to save time and money, and that's why they always shop at Toothman Ford. And what if you're like us regular folks that don't have people giving us advice? You don't need a financial advisor. Toothman Ford will save you time and money no matter who you are. Plus, we'll buy your car even if you don't buy from us. Visit ToothmanFord.com and get a quick, instant cash offer. That sounds like a score to me. That's right. And as always, we'll take anything in trade from chicken wings to Super Bowl rings. Toothman Ford's got a lot of fans. Here's another one. Dallas Cowboys QB, Will Greer. This is Will Greer, former West Virginia and current NFL quarterback. And cars really do cost less than Grafton and Toothman Ford. That's a fact, Will. Thanks. You can shop online anytime at ToothmanFord.com. Back in the gun here, Wesley Euler, Owen Schmidt, Jed Drenning. It's episode eight, the Towson preview. Before we deep dive into some X's and O's and the Mountaineers against Towson, it's time for our weekly What Vegas Thinks We Think We Think. Segment where we'll look around some matchups across the Big 12, the top 25, give some thoughts here, uh, some potential projections, and we'll also give you some of our own predictions for some Big 12 individual statistics. Gentlemen, we'll start here uh, in the top 25. A little bit lighter of a slate this week, but still some still some good mm-hmm. games here. Um, another tough test, out-of-conference test. Well, I guess BYU's an independent, so every game yeah. for them is, is out-of-conference. Right at yeah. least for one more year, right? But another tough test for BYU after uh, hosting Baylor last week. They go on the road to Oregon. That's that's going to be fun to watch there, Jed. That's, uh, that's two offenses that can score some points, certainly. Yeah, Alton Stadium's never fun, right? Kalani Sataki has done an incredible job at BYU. I'm surprised, quite frankly, his name isn't mentioned in more jobs. Uh, to be honest with you, but yeah. uh, interesting matchup. It's it says a lot about what the pollsters obviously think of Georgia, that Oregon still ranked. Okay, so this is believe it or not a matchup between two ranked teams, and it should be pretty interesting with the Cougars heading to Eugene. And Owen, you've got two programs, two blue blood programs in Miami traveling to Texas A and M. Uh, two coaches that are, are are looking for a win to hang their hat on. You know, Mario Cristobal, it's his first year there at the U. This would be a nice SEC road win for them in a tough environment. And then obviously for A&M, you know, you just had Appalachian State come to your stadium and kick your butt last week. They're going to be looking to, you know, pistachio theory that one and get a get a better taste in their mouths. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one as well, too. You know, I'll be down in Morgantown Saturday, get home, get the baby down, and then a little nightcap with the U versus the Aggies. Yeah, absolutely. A&M's definitely going to have to get that taste out of their mouth, like you said, with the pistachio theory. But uh, Miami's looking tough. Um but they are on the road this week going into a hostile environment. We'll see how they can uh, combat the crowd noise uh, from not being at home and see if they can pull this one out. It'll be interesting. I'll be interested to see what the atmosphere is because Kyle Field's always one of the craziest environments in college football. But coming off a loss like they did last week, does that, you know, does that jade the fan base at all or do they go the other way and they're rabid and they're fired up and we got to have this one I'll, I'll be excited to watch that one on saturday night um some big games in the big 12 as well too Project. oh Project. yeah we got to uh, jump to our projection uh, all right yes here here uh mr mr jed jenning thank you for for saving Absolutely. me there uh what do we got for projections for those uh those two top 25 clashes 
Okay, uh, based on point spread, Oregon's giving three and a half. The over-under is high 50s, 59 and a half. Uh, we projected a football-type score of Oregon winning 31 to 28. Miami at A&M. Uh, A&M favored by four and a half, depending on where you look. Over-under, pretty low, uh, 48 and a half-ish. So we're looking at a uh, A&M victory, our projection, not our prediction, our projection, A&M 27 to 21 somewhere in that ballpark over the Canes. Proceed. Now to the Big 12 we go. In uh, a, a traditional rivalry game here, an old Big 8 game, right? Uh, Oklahoma at Nebraska, high noon. Is uh, is a new interim coach and some shakeup there. Is, is that enough to, to help the Cornhuskers maybe ride some momentum and, and hang around with the Sooners? It, it almost reminds me of, Tony Gibson's first assignment when he became the defensive coordinator here at West Virginia was to play Alabama and Atlanta. All right. That's kind of what this feels like for an interim coach in your first assignment facing the Oklahoma Sooners. So, uh, you know, who knows, maybe they rally uh, circle the wagons, play better football than what we're expecting. Uh, they have to be better than they, what they, what they've looked for the better part of the last three weeks. Right. So, but I think that Oklahoma has too many guns. It's uh, they're going to have their hands full. Uh, against the Sooners. I think Oklahoma is going to be in decent shape on the road in Lincoln. Next, uh, or the only other, I should say, Big 12 noon kickoff, Texas State at Baylor. Uh, Baylor with kind of another mm -hmm. cupcake, if you will, you know, smashed in between BYU or, or on either side of BYU, Albany, and then they, then they go to Provo, obviously. Now they've got Texas State at home. Uh, got to think that that one will be, be pretty quick work for the Bears there. Uh, Towson at West Virginia, that's at 1 o'clock. And I believe, right, Jed, no no line on this game? That's tonight. right. And when you face an FCS team, there's typically, at least to my knowledge, I'm sure you can find one somewhere, but but not where we look. So if there's <laughs> an FCS opponent, there's not going to be a line attached, so we won't have a projection for those games. You're correct. Then Owen, Ohio, not the Buckeyes, the Bobcats, Ohio at Iowa State. This is an intriguing one to me. You know, Iowa State is clearly the better team, but they're coming off an emotional win in Iowa, a place where they don't win very often. And Ohio's a team, you know, they just went on the road to Penn State last week and took one on the chin. So they're used to these big environments. They just got done with a Power 5 opponent. Maybe they'll be able to respond a little bit here. That's one that, you know, if, if it's the third quarter and it's still a one-possession game, that, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, if they play them tough, it'll be a close game. Uh, but I think Iowa State's going to take care of business. Um, just from seeing what I've seen on film here lately, uh, they're going to come in. They're going to. They're going to. Their coach is going to tell them, "Hey, look, this is a game we need to take care, take serious." And uh, I think they're going to end up winning big here. Uh, Tulane at Kansas State. There, Jed K State. You know, they're speaking rolling. of teams, they're they're putting some good some good film on tape uh, so far early on in the season. Yeah, they are. I tell you what, when you beat the daylights out of an SEC opponent opponent the way they did last week against Missouri, that's going to get some attention. Uh, we knew what we had in Deuce Vaughn, but the Adrian Martinez experiment so far so good, right? Uh, so as long as he doesn't keep putting a football in harm's way the way he did as a corn husker, I think good things can happen for this football team. They're well-rounded. They're solid in all three phases. And uh, there's no reason to think that uh, they won't take care of business against Tulane Saturday as well. So let's take a look at our projections yes. here for these uh, the first half of these Big 12 games. What do you got for us, Signal Caller? All right, our first projection, we have Oklahoma-Nebraska, a 38-27 Nebraska loss. So the Sooners, 38-27 in Lincoln. Uh, when you go to uh, Baylor, Texas State, uh, Baylor winning easily. They're heavily favored. 42-10 to 10 is our projection, a Baylor win. Iowa State, as Owen touched on, our projection has them not struggling too much at all. 34-14, to 14, somewhere in that ballpark, that type of game. And then finally, K-State, uh, maybe a little closer than some might expect. It's, the line's 15. But uh, K-State is our projection. It's 31-17, to 17, the Wildcats over Tulane. Another one that I'll be excited to watch, Kansas at Houston. Two teams um, that obviously, you know, WVU is familiar with Kansas yeah. just having played them last week. Houston with head coach Dana Holgerson. Houston's played two overtime games so far. Kansas just played one against the Mountaineers. That, to me, Owen, 
you know, maybe other than the the uh, the Miami Texas A and M game, I think that's the other one that I'm most intrigued to watch this weekend. You know, I want to see Houston's had two crazy games already. What are they all about? Kansas, man, if they can go to Houston and win another game on the road against another solid opponent, I think we'll start thinking those guys are for real. Yeah, I think if Kansas goes in there and and struts their stuff and does what they've done, um, it's it's going to not take the taste out of everybody's mouth, but there's going to be some validation there that people are looking for and wanting to see. And that's going to also validate uh, what he's done with the program. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. Um, Onto the night games for the big 12 here, Arkansas Pine Bluff at Oklahoma state. That's another one that you're not going to find many lines and projections on that one. Uh, So I'll come to you here, Jed, Texas tech at NC state. This is an intriguing one as well, too. I mean, Texas Tech, they just they, they've had they've had a couple tough games here to start the season. Uh, NC State, one of those, I guess you could maybe call them ACC favorites. You know, uh, a lot of people yeah. other than Clemson, they were kind of the popular preseason pick there in the ACC. Uh, that one in Raleigh, 7 p.m. Yeah, we've seen all these crazy upsets play out in college football, whether it's Marshall going to Notre Dame and winning, Appy State going to College Station and winning. Well, that almost happened in NC State in the opener. I mean, they barely survived that trip to East Carolina, right? So they did hold the on. Yeah. But I had a sports writer from Texas Tech, a guy's been in the media there for a while. He called me last week leading up to the game with Houston because he wanted to talk about Dana. And looking ahead, he was wanting to talk about this NC State game because he said, let me tell you something. He said, the defensive coordinator at North Carolina State, Tony Gibson, he is Texas Tech nightmare fuel, all right? <laughs> I mean, down here in, the, in Lubbock, we fear that guy, all right? Pat Mahomes couldn't beat him, and he started going on with these Gibby stories. But it's going to be an intriguing matchup. When you look what Zach Kittley's doing offensively with Texas Tech, what Tony likes to do with the versatility, that odd front, moving people around, giving different looks. He's battle-tested, long in the tooth, 10 starters back on that defense. This is just the kind of challenge that I think they're going to savor. It's an intriguing X's and O's matchup, and I think it's going to be fun for a football nut to watch this type of game. And finally, Big O. You've got University of Texas San Antonio traveling to Austin to take on the Longhorns. Eight o'clock nighttime game. Any concern for Texas that there's, you know, they they went toe to toe with Alabama for for sixty minutes and they come up just short. And you know, Quinn Ewers is going to be out for a few weeks here. Any any concern for a, a letdown for Texas, or, or you think they take care of business pretty handily? Man, they're going to take care of business. It's going to be an electric atmosphere um, coming off that loss. Uh, to a huge opponent there. I think the Texas fans fan base is definitely going to give them the, uh, the confidence, right. To build back. And I don't think they're going to have any issue with uh, USTA this weekend. I've always said in my entire life as a sports fan, there was only one time I felt a moral victory in a loss and that was 2014 when WVU opened the season and, and, and did a good job going toe-to-toe with Alabama and lost that game. Maybe some of that for Texas as well, too. Maybe the fan base is, is, is galvanized by that in a way, and, you know, we might have something this year. Uh, last projections here, Mr. Drenning, for these, uh, these afternoon and evening Big 12 games. Yeah, let's start with that Houston-Kansas game. When you look at the line, Houston's favored by 10. The over-under is in the low 60s, around 62 and a half. So if you project that out, I mean, I took kind of the high end of this as far as the scoring goes, but it, it's going to be in the ballpark. There, A projection would be 38, 28, somewhere around there, Houston. Maybe not quite that much scoring, but it's, it's going to be intriguing to see how Kansas handles something that they're not accustomed to it at all, and that's success. That's prosperity. That's the next step, right? So how do they handle prosperity? Can they come back after an emotionally charged win on the road, take another long road trip and play well? Or did that take too much out of when you got a Houston team that's sore after an overtime loss at Texas Tech and they come home and they're just hell-bent for leather and and it's too much for Kansas and they overrun them? We'll see. Uh, NC State, Texas Tech, we talked about that game. What an intriguing matchup it is. Again, the Wolfpack favored by 10.5 over under mid-50s. We're projecting a 33-21 type. NC State victory somewhere in the ballpark there. Texas, UTSA, speaking of Houston, remember uh, the Roadrunners had the big win over Houston in the opener. So maybe that got Texas, got the Longhorns' attention a little bit as well. But we're projecting with Texas as an 11-point favorite over under in the low 60s, a 37-24-ish 
Texas win. That's again, these are projections, not predictions, just based on the point spread and the over under. And it's kind of a fun exercise to feed them in and see where this goes and then compare them. And then compare them, which we always yeah. do, of course. Yeah. Uh, so from so from some projections now into some predictions by us, this is your favorite part of our preview episodes, I think, everybody out there. Three little benchmarks here that we do. The first is the Big 12 signal caller of the week, where Jed will tell us who he thinks is going to throw, which quarterback is going to throw for the f- most yards in the conference this week. Who you got, signal caller? Okay, well, I have the cheat sheet, so I know what all your answers are. So let me tell the listeners and viewers right away. Uh, it's going to be an exercise of which of these three things doesn't fit. Okay. You'll see a theme emerge with Wes and Owen. That being said, I'm going with Dylan Gabriel, the quarterback for Oklahoma. They're on the road as we touched on at Nebraska. The Cornhuskers with the 14th ranked overall defense in the Big Ten, 13th against the pass. I think Oklahoma has too many weapons to bear. Dylan Gabriel has been playing good football, smart football. I think he's going to have some big play opportunities against the Huskers. I go with him to produce the most passing yards among Big 12 passers on Saturday. Your Big 12 runaway beer truck of the week is where Owen predicts which running back in the conference will go for the most rushing yards. Owen, Jed's making it seem like we're Eskimo bros on this one. All right, where, where are you going? Okay, I am I'm a little biased, right? But I want to see my boy have a big game, right? It is a tune-up game. It is a tune-up game, but I'm thinking CJ Donaldson. Uh, he's he's 8.6 yards a carry right now, five TDs. Uh, I think they're going to get the run game going this weekend, and he's going to have one heck of a day. I love it. I love it. So we are simpatico, Big O, because it's my duty to give you the Big 12 defense of the week, which defensive unit in the conference will give up the fewest amount of points. And, yes, I'm going with our West Virginia University Mountaineers. Towson's going to get a field goal, and that's going to be it. It's going to be three points for Towson on Sunday. So I will go WVU. So they edged Arkansas Pine Bluff out. They edged Arkansas (laughs) Pine Bluff out because I am nothing – if not a homer. Wait, what happened? What you happened? Play, you uh, play an Art Ryle schedule, by the way. I just want you to know that. But No doubt. No doubt about that. Yeah. You, hey, listen, the low-hanging fruit, it's low-hanging for a reason. It's still ripe. It's still delicious. Oh, and he's sitting there clubbing those baby seals. He's clubbing me. them. Yes. <laughs> like shooting oh. fish in a barrel, son. I was, I was just going to say, Owen and I are <laughs> shooting fish in a barrel this week. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We're going to take a break here. When we get back on the other side, we will deep dive into some Towson preview. We'll uh, we'll go over uh, who's got the edge in the air on the ground, special teams, intangibles, all those things when we return on the other side. You are in the gun. Game day got you on the go? We get it. GoMart is here to keep you going all season long with stores throughout our home state. We're a proud West Virginia-owned company, and our friendly staff is committed to serving our communities. From fuel to freshly brewed coffee and snacks, a stop at GoMart to cover your game day needs is always a touchdown. Plus, GoMart Rewards members earn points with each purchase to redeem for discounts on gas and free items. So stop by, start saving, and stay on the go with GoMart. Back in the gun here, time for a little Towson preview who's got the edge edge in the air edge on the ground special teams intangibles let's get into all of it uh jed i'll start with you here edge in the air which team has the advantage remember this factors in both sides receivers pass pro pass rush defensive backs that i mean this this is about the mountaineers taking care of it's about the mountaineers yeah, I, I don't want to insult Towson, but I also don't think we need to insult our listeners. At the no, I, it's it's just uh, an opportunity to say, uh, look, if, if we execute and take care of business, I mean, we're not gonna we're not gonna show you a graphic here like we normally do later in the in the segment. We're just gonna say, hey, look, this is about the execution of the Mountaineers. If if we execute on Saturday, and I don't mean in the John McKay sense, okay? If we execute on Saturday as we should, okay, this this is gonna be what you think it should. Okay, Uh, JT has an opportunity to develop further nuance with the wideouts. The wideouts have an opportunity to further refine uh, their craft from the route tree standpoint. I mean, I mean, you heard it uh, the other day from uh, Bryce. He's like, look, I wish I had to push a little harder vertical on that ball that was picked in the fourth quarter. Yeah, JT should have thrown it long away, but you push a little further vertical, that corner might be. Well, this is an opportunity to do that. Don't take anything for granted, any of the wideouts, for all the things they got going well. 
let's take another up another step. But this is also an opportunity to shed some light and let the fans maybe know something they might not know about Towson. Uh, when you're looking at their quarterback, is they, they got a quarterback who's very battle tested. He's been around. He's been at multiple schools. His name's Tyrell Pegram. He was at Maryland for a number of years. The thing that I remember most about him, maybe the only thing that I remember, remember when Maryland upset Texas in those consecutive years? Uh, well, he played a key role. What was it, 18, 17, and 18? They upset Texas once at DKR, once at Newport site. He played a key role in that game in 2018. Uh, so he played a pretty big role in that Maryland upset of Texas then. But he transferred out of Maryland to Western Kentucky, transferred to Ole Miss. He lands uh, here at, uh, at Towson. So he's not going to flinch. I mean, he's the guy that's leading the offense, and, and he's not a guy that's going to flinch. But uh, we're going to get into the fact that when you look at their roster at large, it's populated by a lot of new faces and a lot of transfers. No surprise. I mean, that's that's not just the nature of the modern game, but you know, that's that's uh, Coach Rob Ambrose making the most of the situation and the opportunities presented to him, right? So, I mean, when I look through their roster, guys, I mean, it lists the previous school, and it's just populated by Indiana University, Indiana University, University of Mississippi, uh, Florida Atlantic, Kent State, Kent State, South Carolina. Uh, University of Pittsburgh, on down the line. I mean, it's just transfer after transfer after transfer. This is one of them. So the guy, I can tell you this, the guy spearheading the effort and pulling the trigger for them isn't going to flinch at a big venue, the bright lights, the big stadium, the power five defense. Uh, but all that being said, obviously advantage West Virginia if things go according to script, Ellen. Yeah, um, and I'll, I'll just talk briefly Um you know, Rob Ambrose, this is 13th season, right? He's brought this team to a to a top uh, F, FCS team. I mean, I think they got quality skill guys, right? We've, we've seen that these guys are coming from other schools. Um, they're going to be able to run a little bit. I know uh, Coach Brown uh, emphasized a little bit on their, their strength is probably their D-line. Mm -hmm. um, I know uh, they contribute about 30-plus tackles. I know their second level contributes – uh, roughly about 25, 26 tackles a piece with uh, Kearney and Woods there. They both have digital ta uh, double-digit tackles. Um, but like we said, this is about WVU. Um, we got we to gotta improve on the details, right, the alignments, the fits, uh, and eliminate the outside noise. We just got to take care of business this week. I'm with you guys. I like Pig Rome. I, I do. I, I think there's some Jalen Daniels-esque traits there. That you, mm -hmm. that you just saw last week, maybe, you know, not quite to that level, obviously, but but some similarities there. Hopefully you can transition what you saw and what you struggled with against Jalen Daniels in Kansas and start to get that right uh, against a talented guy in Pig Rome. But I'm with you guys, edge in the air to the Mountaineers. Um, and I, I think we all expect to see that shine through over the course of 60 minutes. Uh, same thing on the ground, gentlemen. How are we feeling there? Oh, and I'd say so. I mean, yeah, their strength's going to be their defensive line, but I, I view that as a as a challenge or an opportunity to get better. Uh, again, if we play the way we should play, uh, you know, assignment sound football, mistake-free football, eliminate the penalties, uh, then then we should have some opportunities to pave the way for some big plays for uh, for those guys toting the mail for us. And, and uh, they, again, more training transfer he's he's a fringe nfl guy i mean some of these guys just happen to play at a position at a power five school that has a lot of depth they transfer for for more opportunity somewhere else and they fit very well he, he's one of those types of kids uh but uh yeah running the football they got a feature back and devin matthews that uh he's their go-to guy it's not by committee uh and you know he has some twitch to him uh there's some physicality to him as well but you know we got to get him bottled up but you touched on it wes it's when you look at, at Pegram, there's some possibilities in the run game there that need addressed. He's not big. He's 5'10", 200. But even at two bills, he's kind of thick. So he's a strong kid. And you've seen him make some plays against elite competition with his legs. So that threat is there. So I would say the combination of Matthews and Pegram in the run game is something that that we have to be conscious of. And we're going to be shuffling personnel around. I mean, that's something we probably should have mentioned in the past game sequence, but you're going to see some fresh young faces on the back end in the secondary. We're talking about juxtaposing some of the uh, linebackers, depending on who might play where, repping some different people and getting different looks. So we're going to have to make sure that we're sound 
were alignment oriented and alignment sound. I mean, they watched the Kansas tape last week too. So what they're going to try and do is come in and attack some of the shortcomings that were laid bare in that tape. And just like you talked about, maybe Pigram's skill set plays or caters close enough or well enough to what we saw to Jalen Daniels. Maybe they'll try and emulate some of those packages. But I do think that on the ground, the West Virginia O-line, battle-tested as it is, this is exactly the kind of get-right game that those guys need. Because if you're cranking it out on the ground and you're creating a three-headed monster behind you with all three of those guys toting it, then that sets up some big play opportunities for JT and those guys, and that's kind of what I'm looking at. Yeah, like I said, I I think good test for the old line, right? This, you know, that is the strength of their team. We just need to take care of business up front. On the flip side for our D-line, you know, let's lick our wounds a little bit. Let's get after the quarterback, right? Let's make some plays. Uh, let's keep those guys off our second level and, uh, you know, have Koba and those guys just have a field day teeing off this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for, for Bartlett and Koba to, to both have big weeks. Uh, I'm with you guys as well, too. Uh, Towson, obviously, they're two and zero, so they've they've done a lot well to the start mm-hmm. of their season. Uh, they're giving up 150 yards rushing per game, though. Um, and if they're giving up those kind of numbers to to some of their competition, yeah, yeah I, I think with our offensive line, with Donaldson, with Mathis, uh, we should be able to uh, to to control the clock, control possession, um, and 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 cut our teeth there. I think uh, not easily, but but certainly over over the course of 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, special teams intangibles. I mean, intangibles. I don't know penalties. I don't know. But uh, this again, this this feels like a, another one where WVU should you know should have the clear cut advantage. Uh, to me, special teams is what jumps out. I, I think that's you know with the obvious exception of the muck punt, maybe. Uh, that's that's kind of been an asset ours through two games. We like what it's done for us from a field position standpoint. The coverage units, you've heard Neil talk about it. They're longer and more athletic, and you're seeing the results of that play out. Uh, Groat House has been a great addition. Uh, don't be kicking the ball out of bounds. You're, you, you know, you, you play too much football to let that happen. So, again, when we talk about eliminating mistakes, that's stacking the wrong kind of pennies, right, Owen? So let's eliminate those things as well. That impacts your, your field position. Uh, from a punting standpoint, Ollie Straw, keep bringing it on. You know, he's dropping dimes. He's doing things we want him to do. Uh, he's coming along. But this is also, when you when you face an FCS team, you're going to have a scholarship advantage over the FCS team. We have more scholarship kids than they have. So that should most directly impact the kids that are populating your transition units, your coverage units. Those are the kind of kids. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're going to have a handful of walk-ons on each unit, that type of thing. That's typically what plays out. So all those things being said, we we talked about the potential advantage of getting into it with Kansas's lack of depth last week, but we just weren't able to get to that weakness. Uh, I, I think, or I hope with Towson that maybe that's different and we can get to it. And it wouldn't be a bad week to even bust a kick or two. Right. I mean, it'd be nice to have that. That'd be a, that'd be a fresh change. Yeah. Jed, like you alluded to, I, I think we're going to do fine. Uh, I know coach Brown also said kickoff return. He'd like to see some more reps there. Uh, just being able to fit up on some blocks, get, uh, get some reps. Hopefully uh, things do go right. Right. We're scoring a lot we're, we are getting those reps and in the game. So we'll see how it all plays out. And, and like I said, advantage WVU. Let's go get it done, boys. One more break to get to here. We come back on the other side. We'll do a little tail of the tape. We'll give you some numbers as we put a final bow on this Towson preview. You are in the gun. I'm talking with J.R. Toothman of Toothman Ford. J.R., everybody knows a lot of pro athletes buy from you. What's the secret? Just like Will Greer, future Hall of Famer Frank Gore, James Washington, and many more pros, these guys have financial advisors that are always looking out for them to save time and money, and that's why they always shop at Toothman Ford. And what if you're like us regular folks that don't have people giving us advice? You don't need a financial advisor. Toothman Ford will save you time and money no matter who you are. Plus, we'll buy your car even if you don't buy from us. Visit ToothmanFord.com and get a quick, instant cash offer. That sounds like a score to me. That's right. And as always, we'll take anything in trade from chicken wings to Super Bowl rings. Toothman Ford's got a lot of fans. Here's another one. Dallas Cowboys QB, Will Greer. 
This is Will Greer, former West Virginia and current NFL quarterback. And cars really do cost less than Grafton at Toothman Ford. That's a fact, Will. Thanks. You can shop online anytime at ToothmanFord.com. Final segment here in the gun. One more to go. It's time for a little tale of the tape. Mountaineers and Towson here. Tale of the tape brought to you by our friends at HighStreetPrints.com. Yes, we're going to have that gear, that merch for you here soon. Shirts, hats, everything in between. Uh, Make sure for all your printing needs, you are checking out our friends at HighStreetPrints.com. Tale of the tape. Uh, We'll start with WVU offense against the Towson defense. What sticks out to you, signal caller? Again, let's not read too much into this for a couple of reasons, two games in. But that that being said, West Virginia is one of the few teams in the league that two games in, you know, has two games against power five competition. So these names, these these numbers start to take on some meaning when you get double dirty, when you get multiple power five opponents. Uh, But uh, I'd say this just from an overall production standpoint on third down. We talked about this coming in in the offseason. We were hoping to see improvement under Graham Harrell because that was one of his strengths at USC. That was one of his strengths at North Texas. Well, we're 51.6%. We talked a week ago how impressed we were that against that nasty pit defense, we were 50%. Well, we managed to nudge that up a little bit. So, again, if you can hover around that 50%, you know, Mark, for the better part of the season and move the sticks with that kind of frequency – that's going to help put you in position to win a lot of football games. And, and we just have to hope that continues. And the other thing I'll say is this, uh, after struggling uh, to kind of shore up some leaks and shore up some holes against the pit defense, again, talented as they might be, we allowed three sacks and TFLs. We only got knocked backwards once against Kansas. Uh, we had the one TFL, didn't surrender a, a sack. So, you know, part of that is the production up front and the communication up front. Part of it's the running backs, part of it's the tight end room, and part of it's JT putting us in the right situation. So all that kind of came together. So for all the things that clicked offensively, uh, and there were a lot lot of them that clicked offensively against Kansas, we we obviously have to fix the penalties, you know. Uh, you know, that's not something that's listed here, but that's, that's something that needs addressed. But uh, those are some of the strengths that I was looking at coming, you know, out of week two. Jed, the defense. <laughs> now, uh, you know, what? like we've talked about all show, obviously we just got to take care of business. We got to play sound football, eliminate penalties. Um, it is hard to kind of look at uh, these numbers here and find any correlation of really what's going on here. But um, besides the numbers, right, just eliminate the stupid penalties, right? Tackle. Play sound football, bring your A game, uh, and take game, care of right? business. Yeah, clean game, take care of business. That's all that needs to be done. But uh, as far as too. yeah, that's that's basically all that can really be said about this. I mean, Jed, you you're you're absolutely a mathematician at all these stats and figures, so uh, we're dialed in there. But as far as the offense goes, okay, as far as the offense goes. Uh, things that I'll allude to, not too much here. Jed kind of filled me in a little bit about last year, what we were rushing the ball. Uh, we were about, what, 123 yeah, yards? Dead last in the Big 12. Dead last, dead last in the Big 12. Uh, this year, that's uh, significantly up from last year, 168 yards on the ground. Hopefully, those big boys up front don't have issues with Towson, and uh, CJ and Mathis can just have a field day. Uh, that's obviously going to open up the pass game. Um I expect that number with what we're at right now, 285. I'm, I'm expecting a 350-yard game out of JT and the boys. Um, that's my honest opinion. Um, I think that's that's what we need to get back to. I think that's what we need to to uh, to compete in the Big 12. Um, but currently, we're sitting at 35th uh, with 285 yards, and then just 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 football stuff, right? Ball security. Um, uh, looking the ball into the catch, right? And then uh, those guys up front keeping JT safe, right? Keep keep them safe in the pocket, nestle them up, keep that blanket around them, and uh, get out of this game with a W and uh, hopefully no injuries. Let, let me add one thing, amend one thing. I hope it's the kind of game that we get 350 through the air, but we don't get it from JT, we get it from the room. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 That's part of, you know, you mentioned the injuries. I'm oh, and it's it's going to be a quick turnaround. I mean, you know, you play Saturday and then Wednesday you're traveling to to Blacksburg. Yeah. So let's yeah, let's let's um, get this one done and dusted quickly. Get some, you know, get some younger guys in there to get some reps and and keep everybody healthy and and get out of this one with a clean performance. Uh, Jed, anything from the from the WVU defensive side that that stands out to you as we start to wrap this thing up? Well, all I can tell you is none of these numbers or figures are going to sit well with Jordan Wesley and Shadon Brown. I mean, I promise you, they're beside themselves. This isn't the standard that they've established at West Virginia. Uh, nothing about it is, and what doesn't show up here uh, is the tackling issue or the tackling issues, whether it's pursuit angles, whether it's technique. So those things are. Uh, they're working furiously to address and only downstream of those types of things will these numbers improve. The number that would jump out through two games, we've allowed the opposition to convert 59% on third down. It was a masterful game plan by Kansas. Pitt did a great job on third down, moving the chains too. Uh, that puts us at 128th through two games. Now, the beauty of it this early in the year, you're one solid performance away from jumping from 128 to 40. You know, that's right. just because the sample size is so small. So if you want to have the type of game that we all want to have against this type of opponent, okay, jump out to an early lead, put them away, give them reasons to doubt, okay, uh, play a lot of faces, you know, faces, like get a lot of reps with the youth, get right in a lot of places. Uh, that's only going to happen if our defense is getting them off the field, Okay. So it's going to be imperative that we win on third down. The more they went on third down, the more this drags out. If you can scoot, scoot them off the field on third down, okay, and if we can have one of these, you know, one for 12 performances, that sets the tone and sets the stage for everything else to follow in terms of us getting more possessions, us getting more opportunities. And that's only going to happen if you do something we certainly didn't do against Kansas, and that's win on early downs. Put these guys behind the sticks. You might even end up scoring on defense if you do that because you're going to force them into some tough decisions. But if we win on third down, then we are following a script to get to the type of game we want. If you want to look at one stat and just track it throughout the course of the game, that might be the one to track because the more success Towson has on third down, the more success or the more trouble they'll be giving us at large into the second quarter, into the third quarter. If we've dispatched of them quickly, it's because we're winning on third down. Well said there. Gentlemen, good stuff as always. Award winning, if I do say so myself. Uh, let's go have some good pistachios this weekend and then get ready for, uh, for Virginia Tech on the short week. Before we go here, as always, our mission statement on this podcast is to be an ear and tell an ear. All right. Spread the spread the good word tell of what we're doing here. Yes. Uh, tell everybody about your new favorite WVU football podcast and make sure you're uh, you're rocking and rolling, following all of our social media channels, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at In The Gun Podcast, and, of course, <laughs> subscribing on YouTube as well, too, if you want to see all of our beautiful mugs here in the uh, in the video and graphic elements that, that we do with the show as well. Thanks to our buddy Sean Mariner for joining us as well. For Jed Drenning and Owen Schmidt, I'm Wesley Euler. Take care, everybody. Enjoy the games this weekend, and we'll be back with a recap episode for you early next week. You've been in the gun. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.